Chapter 11, 1975 through 77, ages 20 through 22. Tension was brewing in Brooklyn, but no one seemed to acknowledge it. Nicky was a good earner for Fat Andy, and because of it, Fat Andy had promised to propose Nicky once the books opened up. But both men knew that once Nicky was a made man, he'd be equal to Fat Andy, which meant he'd no longer get a cut of Nicky's earnings. Nicky was aware of this and knew that when the time came, Fat Andy would drag his feet regarding the proposal. With that in mind, Nicky came up with a plan. Near the end of 1975, Robert drove Nicky and Lenny to the Ravenite Social Club, an establishment that belonged to Anilo Neil De La Croce, the Gambino crime family's underboss. Up to that point, he had held that position for over 10 years, first under Carlo Gambino and then with a new boss, Gambino's cousin Paul Castellano. Even though he was second in command, most of the family felt like he was the actual backbone of the organization. At the time, he and a capo named Charles Charlie West DeLutro were running a couple of clubs in the area, making money off of illegal gambling schemes. Nicky, Lenny, and Robert walked to the back of the club, where Neil was playing cards with a few friends. Robert ran his fingers through his hair and tucked the back of his shirt. To him, meeting Neil was equal to meeting the President of the United States. As they approached the table, Charlie West stood and Nicky and Lenny kissed him. After Nicky and Lenny shook hands with Neil, Nicky made the introduction. This is Robert, our up-and-coming star. Robert's heart fluttered. He had used those very words to describe Robert before, but hearing him say it in front of the second most powerful man in the Gambino family made Robert swell with pride. Neil was expressionless as he looked up at Robert. He held out his hand and Robert shook it. It's a pleasure to meet you. Neil, he said and let go of Robert's hand. He turned to Nicky. Sit down. We're just getting started with a friendly game of Pinnacle. You're my partner. As they played cards, Robert stood guard from a dark corner a few feet away from the table, where cards were zipping across like frisbees amid a cloud of lazy smoke and a steady stream of crude humor. Later on, Robert realized that Nicky wasn't just playing Pinnacle that evening. He was also stacking the deck. His direct connection with Neil and Charlie West was all a part of a strategy to ensure his place at the table of made men once the books open. After dropping Lenny off, Robert parked the car outside of Nicky's apartment in Canarsie. Come on inside, Nicky said, and Robert followed. In the short time he and Nicky had associated with one another, he had come to admire Nicky as a son marveling a heroic father. Nicky showed true interest in Robert and was willing to share with him the ins and outs of the business. He also gave Robert money for no reason and let him drive his car when his services weren't needed. Nicky wanted to take Robert under his wing, show him the ropes, and teach him to become somebody. And when he did get into fights or stir up trouble, Nicky was understanding and never came down on Robert since it was a part of Robert's nature. Sure, what he was teaching him was mostly illegal, money-making tactics, and it could land him in jail. But that didn't matter to Robert. He'd learned from people like Principal Aquinas and Sister Anne, authority figures that should have been more of a guide than a hindrance in teaching him the due diligence of justice, that if he was going to get somewhere in life, he had to play by his own set of rules. I think Neil liked you, Nicky said as he shut the door to the apartment. Oh yeah? How could you tell? Nicky laughed. He wrote the book on how to wear a poker face, and that's something you need to learn. Never let nobody know what you're thinking. Robert nodded his head, a student absorbing the wisdom of his mentor. And, Nicky waved a finger towards Robert, never let nobody know what you're feeling. 
Because in this business, you never know who you can trust, and you never know who you might be asked to whack. He turned his finger straight up. Hold on a second. I got something for you. Nicky went into his bedroom. When he returned, he handed Robert a business card and blue star sapphire ring. I want you to have these. Fat Andy gave them to me when I was younger. I want to pass them on to you. Robert read the card aloud. You are now a member of the Mafia. He laughed. I guess this is supposed to be my official membership card? Nicky smiled. Robert looked over the ring. Put it on, Nicky said. Robert put it on his left pinky. Robert, you're going places. You're a likable kid. You're tough. And after I show you what I know, you'll have everything you need to go far in the family. It wasn't long after Nicky's meeting with Neil and Charlie West that Nicky and Lenny opened crap games in Manhattan, a source of income Neil and Charlie West had yet to tap into and a way for Nicky to prove his savvy. Nicky was aggressive in his approach toward the endeavor and opened three locations at three different times. One was on Mott Street in a factory building. It started around noon and lasted until about four o'clock on weekdays. The second one was at night on Flatbush Avenue. It started around 8 p.m. and lasted until around midnight or a little later. The third one was located on Elizabeth and Houston Streets and was open on weekends. Robert worked at all three of the crap games, mostly as a ladder man. His job was to stand up on a ladder overlooking the tables and make sure everybody was being honest. If he caught someone cheating, he tossed him out. Occasionally, he dealt cards at the poker tables. Robert! Robert looked behind him and saw Lenny at the base of the ladder waving him down. Standing next to him was Antonio, another one of the crew. Robert climbed down and straightened his shirt. I need you to go with Antonio here, he said. Okay. Me and Nicky got to step out for a couple of hours. When you finish, meet us back here. Rumor had it that, as predicted, the books opened for official membership into the family a few months earlier, and that several people they knew were proposed, including Robert's childhood hero, Gene Gotti. Now he sensed the time had come for Nicky and Lenny to be inducted. But no matter whether that was what happened or not, it was taboo to talk about and something any member was required to deny. Robert grabbed his brown leather jacket and followed Antonio out to his car. He got in on the passenger side. Antonio was someone Robert knew as a kid, but the two weren't acquainted with one another until he started working for Nicky. Unlike Robert, Antonio was married and had kids. Beyond work, Robert had no other relationship with him. On top of picking up what they called policies, or slips, which amounted to the person's name, three numbers scribbled on a piece of paper in the cash, Antonio had a regular route on which he sold black market cigarettes for Nicky. Robert had gone on the route with Antonio several times and helped him unload cartons of the contraband at homes and factories in the East New York, Canarsie, and Mill Basin areas. Running numbers was a chancy scheme, and the police arrested Robert more than once for the crime. One particular morning, he heard the pounding on his front door and the cops yelling. Instead of surrendering, he ran out the back door, wearing nothing more than his briefs. After finding some clothes and meeting up with Nicky and the rest of the guys, they agreed to turn themselves in. Robert had no desire to go on the lam again, especially for an illegal sports gambling charge. Nicky said he didn't either because, quote, you can't make any money when you're on the run. Of course, Robert's reputation among the police was well known. After his arrest for the murder at Broadcaster's Inn and the subsequent release after making bail, it was not uncommon for him to be pulled over a couple of times a week, if only for the purpose of letting him know they were watching him. Still, he continued the life of illegal gambling and selling contraband. The business was lucrative, 
and Robert made money quickly and with little effort. Nicky encouraged Robert to ease up on the barroom brawls, since all it caused was trouble for him as well as others. On occasion, he allowed him to express his hostilities when Nicky needed an outstanding debt to be collected. At first, Robert found it a little strange to beat up someone who hadn't ticked him off. In time, though, he learned to transfer his anger from some other source, being mad at his girlfriend or some chump at a bar, or his broken radiator in his bedroom that caused him to freeze at night, onto the one he was beating up. The celebration party had already started by the time Robert and Antonio returned to Flatbush Avenue. Many of Nicky and Lenny's friends and associates were there. Fat Andy wasn't anywhere to be found, nor Anthony. Food was abundant, spread across three banquet tables. Among the usual beer and liquor were bottles of champagne. Robert, glad you made it back. Nicky's smile looked permanently fixed on his face as he patted Robert on the shoulder. His eyes were equally jubilant. Grab a glass, we're about to make a toast. Robert took one of the fluted glasses from the tray held by one of the kids working the club. He was about 14 years old with dark hair and had light patches of freckles on each cheek. He smiled at Robert and was quick with the right words, but his eyes told a completely different story. They revealed a hunger Robert recognized from his youth, and it made him realize that even after all these years, he was still trying to relieve that same hunger. Perhaps now that Nicky and Lenny were made men, his day of reckoning was not too far away. Perhaps soon, he would finally ease the pangs that had been haunting him for so many years. After all, satisfaction wasn't that difficult to attain, was it? He pulled a $20 bill from his pocket and handed it to the boy. Keep the change, kid, he said as the boy examined the bill with his free hand. Thanks, Robert, he said as he tucked the 20 securely in his pants pocket, at first hesitant to leave, thinking he needed to do something more to earn the generous tip. Finally, he moved to the next group of men. Nicky raised his glass. I'd like to make a toast to all you slimeballs here. Everybody in the building within earshot laughed, some a little too hard. When it quieted down, he continued. May you have great health and lots of prosperity. Because when you're healthy and wealthy, I'm healthy and wealthy. Cheers. Cheers. The sound of glasses clanking together echoed throughout the place as the men celebrating the unmentionable induction sipped their drinks. Nicky downed his entire glass of champagne. Robert followed suit, and they both sat their glasses on the table next to them. Nicky threw his arm around Robert. This is just the beginning. You think you're making nice money now? Wait until you hear about where we go from here. Oh yeah? Yeah, Robert laughed. You know, Nicky, you're crazy. Nicky drew Robert in and smiled. Yeah, crazy like a fox.